Well, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing today? Come on, we just had a great day yesterday, didn't we? Anybody get out to enjoy that, or did y'all stay in? Yeah? Yeah, we got out for a while, went on a couple walks, and was outside for a while. And it's crazy how fast the weather changes here, isn't it? <laughs> and here we are back in the kind of the realities a little bit today. But it is good to be with you. I just want to say a warm welcome to any of you that, that are first-time visitors here with us or all of those watching online as well. I just want to say welcome to you. Uh, it is good to be together, and it is good to be uh, really just as we were singing these songs and, and uh, you know, earlier in the service and lifting our voices together. It just is such a, a privilege to be able to gather together, isn't it? Uh, you know, I try to pause often to remind myself and all of us just that it's, you, you know, you can't experience that everywhere in the world, can you? Uh, it's, it's something that is truly a gift. And so for us to be able to gather together, to lift our voices, and um, again, we don't have to sneak in under the cover of darkness or by twos and leave by twos. And so I, I do hope, you know, when we enter those times of lifting our voices in song to the Lord, that, that you do that with your whole heart. Uh, because again, I think sometimes we can go through the motions, myself included. And so just try to always remind ourselves of, of that. Um, you know, we're going to be continuing our series. We're, we're starting to wind down towards the back end of it here and of the, the Beat, on the Beatitudes called Upside Down uh, series. And it's been a really, it's been a great series, I think. Uh, I hope you feel the same. And, and I've, you know, talked to some people and I've heard some, some things. And I know it's, it's been a bit of a challenge, I think, at times, hasn't it? It kind of can, uh, you know, kind of get you knocked out there a little bit and uh, kind of hurt a little bit. And, you know, I want to encourage you that that's a good thing, right? Uh, that is a good thing that we are challenged at times. And, uh, you know, just as we approach this, and um, I shared in the first service, you know, myself and Pastor Tony, when we preach these messages, we have to wrestle with these things all week. <laughs> Before we get, you got to put up with it for, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, we're wrestling with it all week long, and it's, it's, it is hard. And I just wanted to just touch on that just for a moment because, uh, there's, there's two things that will happen when you hear a, a difficult or a challenging message, I should say. You'll feel one of two things. Either one, well, maybe one of three things, but uh, two things I want to talk about. One is, is uh, you could feel condemnation, and if you feel condemnation, understand that that's not from God. Condemnation is the enemy trying to sit there with his long bony finger coming in and saying, oh, look at how horrible you are. Look how you don't measure up. Look at, you know, he wants to point those things out, and so condemnation is not of God. Conviction is a different story. If you are convicted, as much as it may hurt a little bit, you need to be, be thanking God and saying, Lord, thank you <laughs> by your spirit, because the Holy Spirit is convicting us of things that we need to look at and, and to let God uh, deal with in our lives. Amen? And that's the whole point. I mean, the whole point of us sitting here is not so you can hear some well-crafted words put together and, you know, entertain you for a few moments. It's that, that we would actually leave this place changed, not because of the person standing behind the pulpit here, but because of the living word of God and his spirit. Amen. And so that is my hope today is, you know, if you need to be convicted, you are in the right place. <laughs> God's got something for you today, but God will not condemn you. Uh, because the, the, the truth of it all is, and I, I love the fact that there's a cross that stands high behind me, big and proud, because that is the reminder that, you know what, when those convictions come, that's where you take it. You know, Jesus came and, and he paid that price so that we can bring our sins to him and say, Lord, I've fallen short, help me now, and help me get to that place. And so that's, that's just something I want to encourage you on today as we continue to walk these things out. Um, you know, today we're going to be talking about uh, what it is to be a peacemaker, and 
There are, there are over around 400 references throughout Scripture to the word peace, and we're going to cover all of those today. Um, I love you guys. You guys are like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. 400 of them. We can roll with that. <laughs> no, we won't touch on all of them, but it obviously is being at that number a very important uh, a piece throughout the Scripture, okay, is, is peace Peace, yeah, two pieces, uh, is a piece of it, and it's talking about peace. And, you know, I think more than ever now, especially with what's happening, what we see happening in Ukraine, you know, we, this, this idea of peace, or maybe the opposite of which is war, you know, kind of just is at the forefront of our mind. And so I think all of us today really stand something, uh, to gain something today, if we'll kind of lock in and let, let God do what he does through his word. So if you have your Bibles, I'd, I'd invite you to turn uh, where we've been spending our time to Matthew chapter 5. And um, today, we're gonna, I'm going to read from a, a different translation. I usually have been reading it from the ESV. Today, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And sometimes it's good just to kind of get some different words in there, uh, to maybe kind of help. Oh, yeah, I didn't see it that way before. And so, you know, it's just, we've been kind of a number of weeks now with this same translation. So we're just going to just uh, introduce this one today. And so I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, as I said. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, and I believe it'll be up on the screens as well, we'll begin in verse 1. And it says, one day as he, this is Jesus, saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses you uh, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this time. God, I thank you, Lord, just that you are truly uh, a God who, who loves us, who cares for us, and God, that you do speak to us through your word. I pray, Lord, that we are challenged today by what we hear, and God, I just thank you that we can be gathered in this place, um, not for the sake of just, just being here, God, but that we would leave this place changed by your word. So God, have these uh, next few moments to, to speak what uh, is on your heart today for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you may remember uh, the Peanuts cartoons, you know, with uh, uh, Charlie Brown. Is, again, just some just real pure messages through those things. And uh, I came across one of them uh, today, or not today, but this week, and I wanted to share with you today. And in it, uh, it's, it Lucy says to Charlie Brown, uh, she says, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. And Charlie responds, he says, but I, I thought you had inner peace. And Lucy replies, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. <laughs> now, again, you know, we read that, and there's, it's, I love, the, again, the simplicity and the beauty of it, but there's a lot of depth there, isn't there? 
Because I believe for many of us, especially in the church, you know, we, we talk so much and, and we study so much, which is important, but it seems like, I, you know, I've not done the actual count, if you will, but a lot of times when we talk, or most of the time when we talk about peace, it's really about peace here, right? How we can have peace in the midst of the storm and how we can, you know, experience peace in our hearts, and, and that's important. There's an inner peace that is vital. Um, but, you know, here in the Beatitudes, God is actually calling us not just to have inner peace, but to take that peace and to share it with others. And so this is going to be a little bit of a different approach, and I want you to kind of recognize that today, because here it says, you know, blessed are the peace, what? Makers, right? It means, you know, the carriers of peace, for they shall be called sons of God or children of God, whichever translation you may be looking at. And so as I mentioned a few weeks ago, the first um, few Beatitudes we looked at, if you recall, it was, it was almost more of like an emptying, right? Like a making room for what? So that we could be filled by God, by his spirit. And then, you know, lately here in the back end of these, it seems like it's more um, outward focus, you know? And, and so when, as we look at these, these, uh, these scriptures and, and, and the focus, you know, for example, a few weeks ago we heard of blessed are the merciful, right? The ones that carry mercy and show mercy. Here we have the very same kind of essence in that we need to carry peace to people and, and, and outward. And so really, and, and throughout the, the, our time today and the message today, I want you to be thinking of it from this sense of being filled. Now, um, when we were overseas and I was working over there, my, one of the companies I worked for at one point gave me, it was a new car, a new S, little SUV, little, I think it was a Kia Sorento or something like that. And it was nice. I mean, it was brand new. It had the plastic on the seats and everything, you know, like no mileage, or I should say kilometers. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I got the car, and, and so driving it around, and uh, one night my two older sons, who were actually pretty young at the time, we were coming back uh, from the city, and, you know, I was driving it, and I noticed the gas gauge was getting down low. How many of you, like, feel like almost like you're in Vegas or something, you know, with your gas gauge, and you're kind of looking like, I can go just a little bit further, Yeah. I can make it. I'll get a gas tomorrow. Well, you know, I was, I was that person. You know, I was exercising my faith. And uh, I was just, you know, rolling along and like, yeah, it's good. I'm coming from church. I mean, I'm not going to run out of gas. And so, you know, I'm running along. And then, you know, in my mind, too, I'm thinking, like, you know, if you're like me, too, it's, it's the light, right? I'm going to drive until that little warning light comes on. And then I know I can drive a little bit further still, probably a few more days, and then I'll get gas. Well, uh, I was driving along, driving along, and all of a sudden, here we are on the highway, traffic rolling along, car starts sputtering, right? Runs, runs out of gas. I, I mean, it, it happened so quick, I couldn't even get off. The, I had to pull off to the inside shoulder, and there was a median, and literally, there was just cars, like three, four lanes of, of uh, traffic just going by us. And I've got my two you know, young kids in the back, and you know, I get them out, I get them up to the front of the car so at least the car could kind of shield. Because that, we actually knew a lady who got hit on the side of the road when she was trying to like, change a tire. You know, it, it, people drive a little crazy over there. They think the shoulder of the road is actually another lane. Um, and so I was really concerned. And so I'm standing there, and uh, this, this captain from the military, I think, he was driving by and uh, happened to see us pulled over and gave us a ride. So really kind Kuwaiti man uh, gave us a ride home. But, you know, as I was sitting there, though, I, I, I'm like, you know, what is the deal? Like, the light didn't come on, nothing. I, I thought I had more. And come to find out, this car didn't have a, a warning light on it, the little low-fuel light. Like, who does that, right? That's like a cruel joke of a designer and a car company that says, oh, we're going to get somebody on this one. Um, I, I, I have never heard of that as an option, right? It's just every car typically has that warning light. 
Well, you know, the thing was is, again, there, I could not go any further because why? Because I had run out and there was no warning light to tell me, even though I saw my gauge, you know, kind of sweeping towards the bottom end. And so my question today, and I share that story because I, how many of us here, you know, where would your, your peace meter gauge be at today? Where would your gauge, you know, for your peace that you carry or that are you full of, of peace, the peace of God today? You know, I, I, again, we walk in this room, you know, we, we have the challenges, the challenges of whatever happened this morning, the challenges of whatever happened this week at work, the challenges of whatever we see on the news, the challenges of seeing what's going on in Ukraine. You know, we have all of this, and, and where is our peace meter in all of this? Could we say today, you know, that we are full of peace you know, I think, I think oftentimes, you know, when we look at, at the outward sense of what, what peace is, we kind of, you know, and rightfully so, we usually associate that with war, don't we? You know, we would say our country is, is at peace today because we don't have any war happening on our home soil, if you will. We look at the images from Ukraine and we like, you know, there is a place where there is no peace. They are not at peace. And so, again, you know, I think that is a, it's a good place for us to start, but the essence of what's being said here, this word peace, it has nothing to do uh, with, with uh, the absence of war, if you will. In fact, the, the term or the word for peace here in the Bible is the word shalom, shalom. Maybe you've heard that, maybe you have a lot of, if you have a Jewish friend or somebody, um, that, you know, they use that word, and, and it, it, but it has such a depth of meaning. It doesn't just mean like a peace based on kind of what's happening outside. It's, it's a much deeper uh, meaning behind this word shalom. It carries with it the idea of wholeness, completeness, fulfillment, and inner rest. Think about those words for a minute. Those are words, you know, I wish I could you know, raise my hand and say yes to every single one of those, that, that I feel that, the depth, you know, that I do feel completely whole, that I feel super complete today, you know? Because the reality is, is we probably struggle and we, we probably feel maybe a bit disconnected in some of those places. But again, it's, it's, it's this idea, shalom, is this, this living without deficiency or lack. Without deficiency or lack. It's not so much talking about absence, like we're, again, as I said, this absence of war. It's, it's more about being full. And being full of what? Being full of God's peace. Now, you know, I, I you know, kind of jokingly said, where's your meter, where's the gauge? If that was sitting kind of above your head today for all to see, where would your needle be pointing today? And would it matter? <laughs> you know, much like me on that highway, you know, I, I watched my gauge go down and I had, I drove probably by, you know, 157 gas stations, you know, that I could have refueled at, but I chose to go a little further. That, yeah, it's still running, it's still working. So where would your peace be at? Today, this biblical sense of peace means it's not only just freedom from all trouble, it means enjoyment of all good. And, and again, it's not that necessarily the absence of evil things. It means that we can have peace amidst where, at whatever situation we're in. Again, this is terribly convicting to me. <laughs> Because I can't say that I always, I always experience that. I, you know, when we face struggles in life, when we face trials, when we face that bad report maybe from a doctor, you know, do we have that peace? Is it still there? Do we pursue, you know, getting ourselves to that place? Um, I, I, you know, I came across this, 
this thought or this idea, and I couldn't find where it originated from, so I can't attribute it to anybody. But, um, but I want to share it with you today, and, and it's this. And I think it especially applies to us in Western culture, especially as Americans. Oftentimes, I think when, when we are in a situation and a problem comes crashing in, I think oftentimes our immediate attention goes straight to solving that problem. And what do you, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Shouldn't we do that? Well, my question is, is, is do you ever pause to stop to th- say, where's my peace at in this moment? Okay, here's what's come crashing in. Here's the news or here's the situation that's kind of shaken me. And my question, you know, I would say or I would ask then is, where's, where's our peace in that moment? And I think for many of us, our peace has left, you know, out the back door. <laughs> and so what do we do? We pursue the solution to the problem in our mind, believing that when this problem is solved, then I can return to the place of peace that I had before. Meaning that our problem or lack of problem is the source or is the reason we have peace in our heart. Now, we're not very far into this sermon, we're not very deep yet, but up until this point, is that the definition of what biblical peace is? Is that the definition of what shalom is? Because shalom is we can have peace no matter what the situation. We can have a peace, as scripture says, that passes all understanding. So whatever it is we're facing, we can be at peace. And so I want to present to you today, I want to lay before you today this thought or this idea along these lines of what would happen or what should happen, let me just put it that way, in those situations is our priority should not go first to our problem. Our priority first should go if we've lost our peace, how do I gain that peace back? Because I know that I can have peace in the midst of a storm. I can have peace with God and, and even in the situation. And the, the, the thing is, and I want to ask you this, what would our decisions look like if we were making those decisions or addressing those problems or those issues from a place of peace in our heart? You know, one of the things that uh, drives my wife a little crazy is I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty calm person most of the time. The place could be on fire, everything else. I'm like, okay, people, let's start moving. We're going to start moving this direction. Please don't push or shove you know, exit this door. Why? Because somewhere, one is the way I'm wired, but somewhere along the way, I'm like, I I learned that I can make my best decisions when I am, when I'm calm and when I'm thinking, you know, in a good place, when I, when I have peace, (laughs) right? But why don't we do that in so many of our decisions in life and when these challenges come? And so I want to encourage you today, why don't we begin to put that emphasis on, let me get back to this place of being at peace in my heart, and then let's address the situation. Because here's the reality. We live pretty comfortable lives, right, as Americans. If you don't realize that, I can take you to some countries and you'll find out real quick, you know. There, we can alleviate almost any discomfort in our life most of the time, can't we? Like, like that. I was sitting over there. I was getting a little warm. The fans are on now because I was getting hot. So hopefully all of you are hot too because I turned them on. So. Um, but, you know, we, can, you know, we, just, we want to be comfortable, right? So again, before dealing with the problem, I was just laughing at myself. I don't know that I stopped to pause this to make sure I had inner peace before I turned the fans on. Um, but <laughs> that's for me to know, and you guys can find out later. So just something for us to think about as we approach this. Um, again, many of you know that my family and I spent a, a good amount of time in the Middle East uh, living there. 
And, you know, one of the interesting things there is, 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 is how they greet one another. Okay, how they greet one another. Um, when you come up to somebody, you know, it, it can be a stranger, it can be a friend or whatever. You come up and you'll, you'll say this phrase or something along these lines. It'll be, assalamu alaikum, right? Assalamu alaikum. And again, it's, you know, here we kind of approach somebody, especially if we're familiar, like, hey, what's up? How's it going? What you doing? You know, it's a very casual, even if you're, you know, respectful, you know, hello, sir. It doesn't have the same essence because if, if we unpack that, that phrase a bit, it, it actually means peace upon you when they greet one another. The first thing out of their mouth when they greet somebody is peace upon you. Peace upon you. And uh, that, that word salam in there, uh, it really brings about that same meaning and it kind of comes from the same word as shalom. It's, it's that peace. Now, there is another word in there, and it's, it's the Arabic term, Allah, which is there. And again, in Islam, they refer to their God as Allah, but Arabic for, for God is Allah, okay? And what I want you to see there is, is the connection between God and peace. And so they go around and they say these things. And again, if you look in that culture and you look at that part of the world, there's so much violence, right? There's so much disruption, and it is a culture really of violence compared to, to, compared to our Western culture. You know, I had a friend who was a doctor in one of the hospitals there, and, and what they would deal with all the time is, is it was, there's still a lot of tribalism that goes on there. And when, when one family would do something to a family member of another family, like there was, they would, you know, somebody would get shot or something, right, and they'd be brought in. They would have like, you know, 10 people from that other family that got, were the, the, that got hurt or whatever, they would come looking you know, for members of the other family. They would come into the hospital with AK-47s and other weapons trying to repay, trying to instill violence or put violence into that situation and hurt people, right? And so, you know, it's, it's in, intriguing to me because that right there shows you, and that's why it's so important when they say, you know, peace, peace to you. Because they're desperately looking for God's peace, for a, a, a true peace that only comes through Jesus Christ, right? And so, again, that, that, that culture is very intriguing. It's also very intriguing because it's, it still has remnants, really, of what we see, kind of the culture of the, the, the Bible that we see. It still lingers in their culture there because this all happened in that region of the world, right? And so it was always intriguing. But the, the, one of the most intriguing things, and I'll share this with you, is that when a lot of times when um, a Muslim, especially in the Middle East, would come to Christ, they wouldn't refer oftentimes to themselves as Christian, what they would say is they would say, I'm, a, I'm now a man of peace. Capture that for a second. The significance of that statement. I mean, they weren't ashamed to say that they were a Christian, but it, it went so much further in their culture to say, now I'm a man of peace or I'm a woman of peace. Why? Because they'd ultimately come to that place of making peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so now they could be carriers of peace and they were walking in peace and so, again, for us, as we think about this today, you know, this, this idea of what peace is is so critical. You know, Jewish rabbis, uh, th throughout the biblical times, they established that the most important task for anyone is to have relationship, or should I say, be at peace with others. That is, that is they said that was the most important task. You know, and so when we think about ourselves, and especially, again, I, I want to speak to our culture because it's, you know, for a lot of us in this room, we haven't experienced culture overseas and what it's like. We, we are so um, individual, right? You know, you look across the landscape of America today compared to, you know, 100 or 200 years ago, 
And, you know, we've got all the, the privacy fences in our backyard. You know, most of us may not even know some of our, our neighbors, right? We become so, like, it's just, it's us. It's me and it's my, like, little family and, and that's it. We're, we don't live in a communal setting as much. And so, again, understanding that our, what we're called to do is to be at peace with other people. In Romans 12, 18 and again, this, this, these two words at the beginning, I want you to catch. It says, if possible, all right, if possible, so far as it depends on you, leave, live peaceably with all. And what is that saying? It's saying, you know, there are situations where it, it may not work, <laughs> where you try and, you know, that person just doesn't want to be at peace with you. And, and, and that's, that's okay. I mean, you've tried. But we are called to, to live peaceably with all when at all possible, and so today, again, as we're talking about being filled and being what it is to be a peacemaker, you know, it again, it's, it's those who work for shalom or literally a maker of shalom, where we are, are, are bringing peace to situations, where we're bringing peace to a relationship. In James chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown by, in peace by those who make peace. And so this, this idea of, of, of peacemaker, is, it's, it's an action, it goes beyond just being at peace in our heart. It goes to carrying that peace into situations, into relationships. One of the, I think the things that we can confuse here is the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Peacemaker versus a peacekeeper. And I think, again, I think, you know, what I've witnessed a lot of a lot is a is a pretty stiff statement, but I think I can say a lot. But much of the time, let me say that much of the time, I, I talk to to believers, right? And and they have in their mind, you know, and myself included, we can get in our mind if we're not careful that the way that we are at peace or that we you know do this this peace thing is by avoiding conflict. You know, somebody at work maybe is saying something, or, or here's an even better one. How about when you gather for the holidays with those family members? Thanksgiving, Christmas, and what don't we talk about, right? Politics? Religion? What else? Who Uncle Joe married? I don't know. Whatever it is for your table, you know, but, but those are the two big ones, right? And so, and then you get the crazy uncle or somebody shows up and they want to, they kind of want to start hurling insults. Or maybe you've got that family member that likes to poke at you, right? They'll make those statements, you know, because they want to get you riled up. So you respond and, you know, you get upset or something. Like, they're like, ah, yeah, there it is. But here's the deal. We are supposed to be, again, peacemakers. That means we engage at times with the conflict. We do so, you know, in, in a way that's godly. We do so in a way that's, you know, biblical. I'm not saying you do this, but, you know, Jesus flipped tables, you know. I mean, if it's dinner time, maybe you get a little crazy. Maybe you get a little, little Jesus in you. <laughs> see how that goes. I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. Um, but, you know, but we did see Jesus do that, right? And he never sinned. So, you know, there was a time where he was upset, and so, you know, when you deal with these situations, I, peace uh, keeping, you know, is, is just, let me just avoid the topic. Peacemaking is engaging it, and, you know, and it may not end well, <laughs> but you do your best to, to say, hey, no, that's, that's not right. Or, you know, you share what God is putting on your heart, and you be a light and a Christian in that situation. 
Um, a, a Scottish theologian, William Barclay, he says this of, of this beatitude. He says that the peace which the Bible calls blessed does not come from the evasion of issues. It comes from facing them, dealing with them, and conquering them. What this beatitude demands is not the passive acceptance of things because we are afraid of the trouble of doing anything about them, but the active facing of things and making of peace, even when the way to peace is through struggle. Sometimes on the, you know, it's on the other side, isn't it, that we, we, we find peace. Sometimes that relationship, they may not want to talk to you after you're done. But, you know, what, I, what challenges me and what I'm reminded of often is the fact that one day I have to stand before God, right? And give an account. And I would rather stand before God with a clear heart and knowing that I did what I was called to do. And I may, I may have been rejected by people, even people within my own family, people close to me, but stood for truth and what was right. than to be found, oh, just going with the flow and, hey, I kept the peace. God's going to look at us and say, yeah, but did you make peace? Did you carry that peace into that situation? And so again, it's a peace that flows out. And it all does start with our relationship with God, doesn't it? It starts there. While this term peacemaker here isn't pointing directly towards our making peace with God, because really it's God that makes peace with us, right? As far as he's extended a way for us to be at peace with him. We, there's nothing we can do to make peace with God except for receiving the gift of salvation. And so this, this particular peacemaking doesn't deal with that, but I will say we cannot skip forward or look ahead without first stopping and saying, that, you know, are we at right standing in here with God in our heart? It does come from that place, right? Our charge to be peacemakers comes from God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's a great reminder, right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ, what? Reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So again, we're called ambassadors. And if you think of what an ambassador does, they are representative, right? A lot of times of a country or something like that, or maybe a business or something, there's an ambassador that, that represents. We are representing God here. We are supposed to be carriers. He's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. What is that message? It's the message of the gospel, right? We're supposed to carry that to others and say, listen, there's a way that you can experience peace. This is what you're looking for in everything else and haven't found it. In Colossians 1, 19 through 20, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself, again, speaking of Jesus, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Understand that our peace came through at a very high price, didn't it? Does anything about the cross seem passive as Jesus approached it? Imagine Jesus, like, 
no, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I mean, actually, he did that, right? If you read the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying, he's like, God, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass for me. But what, 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 what drove him and what pushed him to the cross was love, but also was what? What we've already talked about was obedience to the Father. Not my will, but yours be done. And that's what should be driving us. We want to be found obedient to God's will, but understand that, that our peace came at a very high price. There was nothing peaceful about the price that was paid for my sin and for your sin. It was horrific. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, here it is, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of you who have made Jesus Lord of your life today, you can rest in that sense of knowing that you are at peace with God. No matter what happens in this lifetime, no matter what trials you may face or struggles you may come across, that you are at peace with the creator of this universe and the one that created you. And that should let your head rest very, very well at night on your pillow as you sleep, knowing that you are at peace with the God of all creation. So our charge to be peacemakers comes from God, but also our charge to, to be peacemakers comes through God. Again, peace is, the very, is in the very character of God. You know, Jesus, as we, we talked about uh, leading up to Christmas in our series from Isaiah, he, he's called the Prince of Peace, right? He's the Prince of Peace. He ushered in this, this peace. If we are to be like Jesus, we carry then his peace to the world. In James 14, 27, he says, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so think about this for a minute. This is, I say this from time to time, I'll say it again. You know, this is true. It may not always be easy. <laughs> it may be a bit of a struggle at times. But the word of God is true. And when God says, when, you know, when it's recorded that Jesus has said, my peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. So why aren't we at peace at times? Why are there times when we're running around like a, a chicken with her head cut off, you know, and, you know, flailing around and we, you know, and I, I don't want to make light of, of situations because I know that we've, especially as of late, these last few years, there's been a lot of challenge, haven't they? But have we walked it out with the peace of God? Have we walked it out knowing that, that Jesus has promised that his peace he leaves with us? And again, he says, not as the world gives, because the world can't give you that peace, can they? You know, many of us, you know, we, we love to take a vacation, right? We love to, you know, you think about peace and maybe it's sitting on a beach or maybe it's, you know, sitting in a cabin somewhere away from everything and reading a book and, you know, all is well. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a, there is a, a peace to a, in a sense to that. But let me ask you a question. How long does it take for that to wear off when you get back? You go back into the office, you go back to work, what, a day, an hour? You know, maybe a week at best, you know, and you just kind of like, oh, there it is again. We got to have peace in our hearts, right? We have to have this. This is not that kind of a peace because that's, that's a peace that's dictated from our, our, our surroundings. And God has called us again to have this peace in our hearts. You know, being a peacemaker is pursuing action 
to make the world a better place to live in. And again, making peace within our, our own soul, to be at peace here. That's where it all begins. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then comes the last part of this phrase, this verse, is for they shall be called you know, either the children of God or sons of God. And as I you know, thought about that and studied it, and, and, and maybe as you're thinking about it, I think, you know, or I wonder, I should say, what, what do people think of us? If they were, if a coworker was here today and I were to bring them up front and, you know, you started to sweat a little bit when this coworker walked in and I asked, you know, hey, uh, you know, so-and-so, you work with them? Yes, I do. And, you know, how, how, is, their, how is their peace at work? Some of y'all would start sweating a little bit, wouldn't you? You know, do, they, do they speak from a place? Do they, do they bring peace you know, into a conversation? Do you even know they're a Christian? <laughs> this peace, right? This, this peace, because people should recognize, and that's why are, we called the, why are we called the children of God or the sons of God? This means that people recognize us by our peace. Let me go back to that phrase of, of that person in the Middle East, right, that, that says they're a man or a woman of peace. Why do they say that? Well, because by saying that, they then recognize that this person is a Christian. This person knows God. This person is a child of God because of the peace that they carry and they bring into a situation that is very different from anything else that they know. How would we grade out in that, that situation today? Are we carriers of peace? Do we bring peace into that situation? As we prepare to to start wrapping up here today, I do want to add like a, a little footnote because I, I felt like somebody's going to probably ask about this. Maybe not in the service, but uh, they're going to bring this up and I wanted to touch on it just briefly. If you, if you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, there's an interesting verse here. It says, do not think, and this is Jesus speaking, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? What about all the Christmas songs and... What about the sermon up to this point and all the things that we say? You know, where's this, this peace on earth? I have not come to bring peace on earth. Like, wait a second, Jesus. And then he goes on and says, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. <laughs> and this is where, this is an example of when, you know, people, they want to try to criticize the Bible and they'll be like, ah, there it is. It, it contradicts itself. It's not consistent, you know. It's like taking one sentence out of a conversation and be like, oh, you know. No, there's, there's explanation here. There's a reason that this is here. You see, again, Christ came. He came to give us peace with God and peace in our consciousness, if you will, and peace with our brethren. But we continue to live out our lives in a world void of peace. So how do you think that's going to go? Maybe some of you know, right? You know, when you stop somebody, or maybe it's that, it's that one family member at the, the Thanksgiving table, and they, they start pushing the button, and, and you respond, does it usually go like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Thanks for sharing that. Um, wow, you know, I, I'd like to, to make that step of faith today. Does it always go that way? No, it doesn't. If, if case, no, it doesn't. Listen to what John 16:33 says. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, Listen, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, when it's talking about, uh, when Jesus is talking about this sword and not bringing peace, his sword, it, it, that you think of a sword, it divides and severs, doesn't it? Right? Maybe it's a little too graphic, but that's what a sword does. 
And what Jesus is saying here is it's, it's, it's separating his own from the world. Because if you're truly a Christ follower, you will be separated from the people of the world, right? Even if you're related by blood, you know, it can be even a close family member. There is a separation that takes place. And this is what Jesus is, 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 is bringing is that, you know, there's, <laughs> I, I'm coming, but it's, it's not to bring peace amongst everyone. And our only hope as sinful man is, is to step into and accept the way that we can have peace with God, right? And so, again, there is, there is hope there. And we, it's, it's, it all comes through the cross and the work of Jesus Christ. And so as we wrap up today, we're going to here in a few moments take communion. And as we, we uh, share oftentimes, you know, that communion is we do what's called open communion, meaning if, if you profess Jesus as Lord, we've, we, we welcome you to the table, um, the elements you should have received on the way in. Um, and it's, it's very significant, right? It's very significant as we approach communion today, especially with this idea of making peace with God, Yeah. Because this is how we remember how our peace with God came. Listen to what John 10.10 says. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. How is your life today? (laughs) That word abundantly really, it parallels very closely to the word shalom. Because, you know, when we live life abundantly, it, again, it's, remember what we talked about when we started, it's not, it's not this being void, it's being full, this place of fullness in our hearts. Right? It's a place of fullness, it's, it's about being full of God's peace. And, and where, where is your meter today? Maybe you came in on empty today, maybe you stalled out in the parking lot and barely got it through the door here today. And my hope and my prayer for you today is that through our time, as we lifted our voices and and sang praises to God, and and through this message and through this time of being together as God's body, as as, as the the body of Christ, hopefully your peace meter is increasing. (laughs) Have you ever thought how come sometimes, and I I believe with all my heart that this this takes place, and I pray that it's, it's today as well, that while you're sitting in service, that, that there is a peace that settles amongst the people. We sense when all things are, that's just right, we're, we're in this right place with God, right? What's the importance of gathering? You know, I'm, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for our people watching online, I'm grateful we have that, that ability. But when we gather together here in person in this place, there's just something about the peace of God. Why? Because we're together. We're, we're doing what God has set out in his scripture for us to do. And so, you know, when we gather together, we can sense the shalom. You know, you walk out of those doors today and you don't know what's coming at you, do you? (laughs) Anything could be waiting on the other side of those doors as you step back into your life and your routine and prepare to head out this week. Anything could meet you, good or bad. And so my encouragement to you today is, 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 is leave today at the end of this service with, with God's peace in your heart. Very tangible, very real today. And if you're in this place, if you're watching online, you don't know what it is to have peace in your heart, today can be that day. Today can be the day that you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior and you can become a man or a woman of peace. You can become a Christian. And it's not just so that you're in the club so we can all hang out and high five each other and praise the Lord together. 
It's so that you're in right standing with God. <laughs> and you can be filled with his peace and then you can be a carrier and walk out into the world and say, you know what? I'm gonna take this peace to the people that need to hear it. I'm gonna take this good news to the, the, those that are dying and need to know what, what true life and real life is. So as you, if you would, just for a few moments, just, just bow your heads as we prepare to enter into this time of communion. You know, it says in the scripture that whoever drinks or eats of the bread or drinks from this cup, speaking of communion, in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So there's a very real warning here that we need to just pause for a moment, take inventory. Are there things in your life that you need to confess today? Are there things, places in your life that are not at peace with God? In these next few moments, I would encourage you to confess those things. That's what the cross is for. So let's just take a few moments and examine our hearts. Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake. Would you stand? Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we once again, Lord, recognize our need for you. We recognize, Lord God, that our world is in desperate need of your peace. And God, that you have designed the way, uh, Lord, that, that it would come through your people, through your children, those who know you as Lord and Savior. God, forgive us today where we have not uh, been peacemakers, where we've been more focused on just being peacekeepers. God, we are grateful, Lord, for the tremendous sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, as his body was broken and bruised and beaten, and as his blood was shed, Lord, for our sins, that we could uh, be restored, Father, in our relationship with you. And God, that through that tremendous sacrifice, Lord God, we were made right in right standing with you. God, we need you. God, we need your peace in our hearts and in our lives to fill us up, Lord God, 
God, would you fill us today with your peace to the point where it's overflowing? God, that as we enter and engage those situations, Lord, throughout this next week and in the weeks ahead, Lord God, that we would truly do so uh, with, with eyes to see, Lord God, your eyes. God, the words, Lord, to, to, to speak, Father, to bring peace to situations. God, I pray that you would give uh, every person within the sound of my voice, Lord, the boldness to share the gospel, to, to share the good news, Lord God, to share your word. God, realizing that that person may not receive it, that it may not be made right, but there are some that are ready, that you've prepared their hearts. And so, God, give us, Lord, the boldness. Give us the desire and, and God, just the the wanting, Father, to see lost people come to you. And that begins really with us realizing just how great a gift, Lord, we've, re we've received ourselves. God, the good news isn't meant to be kept a secret. It's meant to be shared all across the world. And so, God, we thank you that we are truly your hands and feet, that we are, again, called the body of Christ. For you so often carry out your will your plans, Lord, through your people. God, may we be willing vessels. In Jesus' name.